At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. We got a very cool podcast in store. Not like the rest weren't cool. Not like the rest weren't cool. At least my mom tells me that anyway. But anyway, we got Ken Midget on the podcast. Ken is a plumbing heating instructor at Lehigh Career Institute. And he told me after the podcast that a lot of the parents and students call him coach. Now, that's that's pretty endearing. Right, Because what he's doing is coaching these young kids on how to be skilled trades professionals. That's commendable, right? And he talks about how his program is structured. And and we get into discussions about promoting the trades. Because Ken is an avid promoter of the the trades. The skilled trades, the blue collar industry. Now, we're going to talk about something that I never really thought of before. And that's targeting like before high school. We're going to target the kids before high school, like the grade seven and eight kids, the grade seven and eight kids and their parents, because when they get to high school, they are going to have an idea of, of the skilled trades, what they are. And when they sit in that counselor's office, when they're in grade 11, 12, whatever, and the counselor is talking to them about career paths after high school, they've already got an envision in their head of what an electrician might look like, an HVAC tech might look like. A plumber might look like they've got these ideas in their head so i think that's a super cool idea that ken has is to target the grade seven and eights before high school right and and show them what the trades are what they can do for you how you can have a fabulous career in the trades we're going to get to that in a minute before i do i just want to touch on something real real quick there's something going on in, in, in the world that is um it's a hot button topic and usually i don't touch on social issues or political issues on my platforms. I keep it skilled trades based, HVAC based, blue collar based. If it affects the industries that are blue collar, then I will touch on them. If it's a social issue or a political issue that has nothing to do with the trades, I shy away from it. But I had somebody message me on Instagram or not message me, but comment on a a tech tip post that I had made. And they asked me if I was going to deal with the police brutality or talk about it. And they mentioned at the end of that comment, if you're silent, you're compliant. Okay. I kind of took offense to that comment because just because I haven't dealt with this topic on a skilled trades platform doesn't mean that I'm compliant with what is going on. I highly disagree with what happened. My heart goes out to George Floyd and his family. All right. Um, I don't understand the racial aspect of any of this. And I'll be honest about that because I grew up in a melting pot of races and cultures. And I've had best friends that were from all over the world. East Indian, Vietnamese, Jamaican. Um, I have family that is Portuguese, Spanish, uh, South American. You name it. I got friends and family from all over the globe. And I just see good in people. That's all I see. I don't see their color. I just see who they are, right? And I don't hate on anybody. I mean, if they trampled on my my grandma's flower bed, I might dislike you. But it's not because the the color of your skin or your cultural background. All right. My heart goes out to George Floyd and his family. And I will say this, guys. If you're going to protest, protest in a peaceful manner. That's your right to protest. Protest in a peaceful manner. Because lighting cars on fire and throwing things through windows does not help your situation that you're that you're trying to better. It does not help the situation for anybody. It just makes it worse. One of the coolest protests I've seen during this whole entire thing is the Burnside Bridge in Portland. Now, it was very peaceful from what I what I had seen and from what I've gathered. 
and it was a bunch of people laid out on the bridge. The entire bridge was covered. People laying on their on their belly with their hands behind their back. Very, very peaceful. It speaks volumes. Very powerful image. That's the way you protest to get your, your point across. And again, my heart goes out to George Floyd and his family. And police brutality, yes, it, it, it's a thing. And it's got to be dealt with. But there's some bad apples out there that make a bad name for everybody. We're going to talk about that and we're going to relate that to, to the trade as well with, in this conversation with Ken. There's, there's bad apples out there that make our industry look like a bunch of slobs. There are police officers out there that make all police officers look like they're corrupt and bad and unworthy of wearing a badge. They're not all like that. Just like all all industry people within the blue-collar industries are not all slobs. I mean, my heart goes out. Guys, protest peacefully. Get your message across peacefully. And you'll be heard if you do it the right way. That's all I'm going to say on that, guys. I'm going to move on. Let's get to Ken. This is the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. Welcome to the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. Recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC. From storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. Ken, I'm glad we uh, we were able to hook up on this. I'm excited. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Gary. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So we talked a while back about you hopping on the podcast and you mentioned, I, th- I think you had, you mentioned you have some experience. You're on with the the jerks, the HVAC jerks. And I was on with them actually about three weeks ago as well. Yes. I've been kind of hitting the circuit here with some people. Um, we could talk about how and why later, but yeah, I've been doing a, a couple of them. I think you're like the fifth or sixth one here. Okay, cool. So most people I speak to, should I say most? I don't know if it's most, but a lot of people I speak to um, are podcast virgins. So you, you are, you, you're past that now. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Awesome. So let's get into sort of what your role is in, in the industry and the trades and, and uh, the blue collar side of things. Like, what are you up to? Well, um, I'm doing everything I can do to promote um, blue collar trades and, and to narrow it down even further, you know, the plumbing, heating and HVAC trades. Um, and I think that it's um, the best kept secret. You know, that's kind of how I look at it. And, you know, if you look at my uh, Instagram, which is, you know, real vague and brand new, it says something like, you know, I'm uh, making apprentices one at a time, you know, one day at a time. What is your, what's, what's, what's your apprentice handle for everybody or your uh, Instagram handle? (laughs) It's uh, right now it's no hot water. No, no no underscore hot underscore H2O. Underscore H2O. Cool. All right. So maybe you're going to get some, some more followers after this. I'll I'll start. I'll great. start following you right after we get off the uh, the call here. So you, you're into promoting the trades and you're an instructor yourself, right? I am. I am. I'm a former uh, contractor, two businesses, and, and uh, the opportunity came up to teach. And I applied and thought, I'm never going to get this because I don't have a day of college, you know, from, from a teaching perspective. And uh, I applied, and, and it was when the economy was in the tank, and it was in 2008. And there was over 45 applicants, and I made it through that. And uh, I, when I did the second interview, um, before I got back to my office, I had the job offer. So I took it, never looked back, and um, managed to build um, a very successful program, and it's highly supportive. I mean, my, I have a, uh, the plumbers in Lehigh Valley and the Allentown Master Plumbers Association, which is part of um, Lehigh Valley, the plumbing area. Um, I just keep producing my students to become apprentices. So every eligible senior and certainly even the underclassmen are working. And every eligible senior upon graduation, it's 100% placement. 
So um, I think that um, I th we're going to talk a little bit about females in a minute and women in the industry. And I think that's that's another best kept secret that's um, not being pursued hard enough. There is some associations. You know, I'm a member of uh, Women in HVACR. I'm a, I'm a member of Women in Energy. Um, I'm mentors for both of them. And, I, you know, I, I think there needs to be more people helping and getting young women and any age women. Somebody who wants to make a career change is fine, too, to come into the industry. Right. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, back to the blue collar thing. I think, you know, I, I we all know Mike Rowe um, and, you know, about dirty jobs and all. And I, I think there's a, a difference between um, dirty and being a slob. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's a difference. So there's an expectation for when I teach my adult students at night, I also teach a post-secondary program for the association. I teach the level two apprentice plumbers. I tell them, you never know who's watching you. You never know who's looking at you. When you pull in a convenience store and you open your van and soda bottles and coffee cups fall out of it all over the parking lot, you don't know who's watching you. You don't know. So that could be the parent or grandparent of a seventh or eighth grade student that sees you and now you're just reinforcing their stereotype that they don't make any money they're slobs they're grunts um you know they don't have a, a level of professionalism and i'm not saying everybody looks like this but you know you know the the uh, 80 20 rule that you know 20 percent of the people in your life give you eight give you 100 percent of the problems and the 80 percent are the ones that you love and can cherish forever so when that stereotype gets clicked in someone's mind and they see that in a mall, in a public environment, sometimes that tends to stay there and that ruins it for us. You know, and I think that there's the way that we're going to be successful with this is it's a, it's come a long way from an image perspective, but we still have a long way to go. I mean, go to the supply house tomorrow morning and what are you going to say? You're going to see, instead of seeing 50% of the people looking unprofessional, dressed in sweatpants, sneakers, you're going to see maybe 20% of the people looking unprofessional. But that 20% can still create problems in the, in the grand scheme of things. So, you know, why do I promote the blue collar trades? Back to that question. Um, again, I think it's the best kept secret, just like I think career and technical education is. Um, I think there's stereotypes that come along with that. I think that there's still a lot of parents that think that career and technical education is a format to send all the misbehaved and the kids that they feel are not, quote, college material, end of quote. Um, I think it's all a bunch of nonsense, right? Um, yeah. If you walked into my classroom at, at LCTI, Lehigh Career and Technical Institute, you would think that you're walking into a um, – high value, high expectation arena of students working. No one's sitting around. There's no one sleeping. Um, everybody's working. Everybody's engaged. It's a great philosophy. They all get along with each other. The culture's good. It took time to develop that. Didn't, that didn't happen from day one of teaching, but um, it's that way now, right? So the expectations are very, very high there. And I think that can be created all over the place. And that's the other thing that I think some of the seventh and eighth grade parents need to see that, you know, this is a structured environment for their child to learn in and have a great and graduate and have no college debt and go right in right into a career. Right. Start their apprenticeship. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally understand how a slob can can do that um pulling up in at the gas station opening his van all the all the junk falls out but i th i think that goes for for any industry like a, a used car salesman <laughs> pull, pulls into the, the the mall and he's got a big pizza stain on, on his on his dress shirt i mean he looks like a sleaze ball because of that too so i i, I you can see the how the the optics um how the people's perspectives when they visualize something and how they how they see things and and you're right if they see a clean cut i mean not everybody's clean cut not everybody is is on the straight and narrow but if they see someone that looks like they're taking pride in in their their appearance and stuff like that 
Um, you could you could still have a ton of tattoos. You could have a beard. Of you course. could have that. You could have those things, but it, you can still look like you have pride in your in your appearance. And I, I think even piercings and stuff like that. There's people that have these things, but if you take pride, that pride kind of shows. It care it, it shows in your your posture, um, the way you carry yourself, and all that kind of stuff too, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I'm not trying to paint a an ugly bad picture here. Um, you know, certainly as we, if we go, if we rewind the clock and go back a couple decades and go into the 70s, 80s, and 90s, it was the opposite of that 80-20 that I talked about in the in a supply house. Eighty mm-hmm. percent of the people looked like pigs and slobs. Everything that came out of their mouth was filth. Uh, some of them were functional alcoholics. I mean, this is the era that I grew up in, right? So I I know what I saw, and I wasn't in just one supply house. I was probably in hundreds of them over the course of my career. And it was always the same story when you walk in there. It's just like elbow resters, um, spitching and screaming about what they're not being paid. And, you know, it goes on and on and on and on about what, what the past is. But that's another part of my point is that some of the um, parents and more likely the grandparents of these seventh and eighth grade students who I firmly believe are the target area. I mean, I hear a lot of people who talk about podcasts that we talk about high school, high school, high school. Yes, that is a target area, and it's important that we try to groom those students. But you've got to, my opinion, you need to target the seventh and eighth grade parent. That's who has to hear the message of, hey, you know what? Your child does not need, it's great if your child wants to go to college, if they're going to go to college because the career that they think they're going to do is required them to go to college. They're going to be a dentist. They're going to be a doctor, a surgeon, an accountant, uh, a scientist. Okay, a NASA scientist. You have to go to college for that. Um, But I'm a product of someone who um, earned the same income as that doctor and dentist. And yeah, okay, I had my own gig. But still, now, even now, there's people out there earning six digits. But you yeah, there's, know, lots, there's, there's, there's a ton of people earning six digits in the trades. Right. Tons. And I, I, I tell my students all the time, you know, that, you know, the, the six digit earners are not the ones that have the slightest bit of slack. These are the ones, these are the top dogs. These are the ones that, you know, um, they are not the person that's when the bus is going down the road, hanging out, hanging onto the window outside the bus. They're either driving the bus or they're in the front seat because they want to see what's going on. And I, I yeah. try to make that vision for them so they get it, that, you know, you got to work hard. you got to work hard now, even when you're in school, because you're being given a huge opportunity that instead of just knocking on the door and say, I think I want to be a plumber or a heating tech, you're going to come in, in with anywhere from one to four years experience working working with me. So you have a jump against the competition when you graduate from my program. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, you know, I, I really emphasize that, that, you know, yeah, the work's hard. Yes, you're going to get dirty. It's okay. You wash it off. That's what we have showers for. You know, you're yeah. a plumber. You build showers. You make hot water. Go get a shower. Get cleaned off. You know, it's not the end of the world that you're going to get dirty. Um, and I think that's a, that's that other perception of the parents that, you know, some of the, I've heard this on other podcasts, and I, I, I definitely align with it, that some parents, you know, they want to, they, they quote, want to have it better for their child than they had it, right? You know, you have this guy that, or girl or mom that worked, single parent that worked their rear ends off to, to try to get their kids graduated and they don't want their, because they didn't have a skill and they've worked three jobs that aren't highly skilled, that are highly paid like you and I are talking about. They think that their child can't do that. Right they're and they're, and they're and they're so life in the fast lane they can't they can't get their kid they can't get their arms around this that hey yeah my kid could be a HVAC tech they could be a carpenter they could be an electrician they could be a tile setter and you know earn a great living and never have to go to college they could be right out of high school and be self supportive mm-hmm. you know yeah they, I, think, go ahead. I was gonna say you're you're I was gonna say you're you're right when it comes to the the parents being educated on how the skilled trades can really provide a really 
nice career for someone and and then create avenues from that career later because the parents are the ones with the most influence on the child most of the time so they're the ones that's pushing this and pushing that so if the parent the parents need to be educated um on on the trades the skilled trades but who's going to educate them like where are they going to get this education right that's that's the thing So just so you guys are aware, um, I'm basically recording the intro, this little part, and the outro, the few minutes that that are collective in those, in my van, sitting beside a busy road. So if you hear cars zooming by, that's, you know why, because I'm about to go into a job site. Now, a couple things here. Dan Foss has now updated their refrigerant slider app. It's called Ref Tools. Okay, and it's five apps in one. So it's the refrigerant slider, um, troubleshooter, spare parts list, low GWP app, and the magnetic tool app, all in one. If you already have that app, the refrigerant slider app, then just go over and and do an update. It might have updated on its own for you. I went into the Play Store and, and it asked me to update it. But if you don't have it, I'm gonna leave a link in the podcast notes here so you guys can go just read up about it. There's a couple paragraphs on, on that landing page and then there's links to the, the Google Play Store and, and the, the, the Apple Store to, to go get the app. It's totally free, right? It doesn't cost you any money, so there's no harm, no foul to have this on your phone because it can really help you out in different situations. Now, I've been getting a lot of messages because it's the, the, the spring, summer season is here, cooling startups. I'm get, get, getting a lot of messages on... Testo, digital gauges, smart probes, which one should I choose? Which one should I get? So here, here's, here's how I answered that question. The smart probes, I usually take out the most. Those are what I take out the most, just because it's easier to carry that little case around. They're lightweight. They're easier to put on units. There's no hoses to deal with. And they're fabulous for, for some quick troubleshooting or, or diagnostics. If I have to put gas into a system, then I bring my manifold. If I know that I potentially might need to put gas into a system, I use my manifold. Now, if you're okay with adding like a little T or something to the bottom of your smart probe, you can do so. And that way you can add refrigerant to uh, to a system. So that's kind of how I answer it. I, I usually use the smart probes. The manifold, I usually bring out if I'm doing anything with with refrigerant, right? Recovering or charging or something like that. Now, I've talked about the Blue On app a ton of times. They just hit 10,000 users or 10,000 downloads of the app, which is very, very cool. Uh, They got a toolbox in there with a ton of information. They have tech support. The wait time was less than two minutes because I called it as a test. Less than two minutes as advertised. Brian Johnson picked up the phone. I'm like, hey man, this is just a test and you passed. (laughs) And we both had kind of a giggle out of it. But their tech support line is for anything air conditioning, not just TDX20. All right. But the TDX20 is their R22 replacement refrigerant. Navac, guys, I've been getting messages about recovery machines. Which one should I buy? Which one should I get? Now, tell you right now the nrdd recovery machine is a total badass unit it's super quick it's got a ton of features one dial on it Um, instead of like a bunch of dials you can pump out the recovery machine when you're done recovering with the dial you can throttle the refrigerant um it's got it's got it shows you on the dial when you see just look it up if, if you if you haven't seen one before it shows you how you can go throttle full liquid whatever right so it's a super badass recovery machine hands down that's all i wanted to say so let's get back to ken and the podcast interview that's the big question right and you know what you're not going to reach every parent at a at a time you know we my particular school, we do a a one-week run right around the end of October, beginning of November, where we probably have, and in my program alone, I'm going to say there's at least, in that week, um, 300 middle school tourists come through my program. 
and they go through the whole school, but I'm just saying my classroom, I'm focusing on my class because I know what I see there. And then that's followed up by an evening event of an open house for parents and students, to those, those seventh and eighth grade students that have toured, and there's some ninth graders in there too, um, toured this, that had come to the school to tour, then now they can come and bring mom and dad to, or guardian to see what this school's really about. You know, this is where, you know, they come home excited, hopefully. But, you know, before they even, those students get there, some of them have their own perception, you know, like um, I have six girls in my program. They're, they're highly productive. They're going to be great. Um, one's graduating this year. She's just a rock star. You know, um, when the, when, when, if a group of uh, female students come in that are coming in to tour my lab, I immediately have my current female students speak to them and say, hey, you know what? You can still have nice nails. You can still get your hair done and you can do and you can be a plumber, too. And, you, you know, you'll make enough money. You'll be able to buy the hair salon. Right. So because mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the, you know, the females traditionally, they want to come up and they go, they want to go into the other trade er areas. The last they're thinking about is a blue collar trade. They're not thinking about carpentry. They're not thinking about masonry, electric, nothing. Right. And they certainly aren't going to think about plumbing because they. They think it's this trade that you have to be extremely strong and you have to be a man to do it. And uh, they think the same thing about HVAC. They think, you know, it, it's the, they have this perception that it's, it's a male dom. It's, it's only for men. It's, it's a boys club. Right. So breaking that down is a big problem. Um, and and the, back to your question is how. So that is a little bit about how our, my specific place that I work, my employer does it. Um, I don't think there's one answer. I think it's a multitude of ways, and I don't think you're going to get a group of people. I think you're going to get them one at a time. And then eventually, you know, the, the old cliche of you build it, they will come. I think eventually it will start to go the other way, right? And I, I think some of the things that we could be doing, um, manufacturers have to take a role, and their role can be the fiscal role of what is required to try to set up whatever we need to set up. So, you know, um, it's, it's tough for sometimes for business owners to allocate to have a line item for recruiting a seventh and eighth grade student, hope, hoping their seventh or eighth grade student, hoping they're going to see this, some, their fruits of their labor, you know, six years when the kid graduates school, right? You know, it's pretty tough to sell to a business owner in, in a, as a contractor. So another part of it is trade associations. And I think Trade associations do a great job of pre presenting that professional image, right? Um, and not enough people's are not enough contractors and business owners are members of these trade associations to give them the wealth and recognition they need to get their foot in the door with the schools. So that's that's one way, right? Um, when schools have open house night, um, I don't have the exact architecture or how this would happen but um a, one way that we could sell blue collar trades is when there's an open house at a, at a middle school there's a there's a miniature job fair going on in the cafeteria or the auditorium right mm -hmm. yeah, yeah that, that, are there yeah. contractors are there pamphlets are getting handed out contractors aren't there talking about trying to sell jobs to those parents they're trying to set meaning meaning you know jobs they would do for the for a, a customer they're not trying to recruit customers they're trying to recruit those kids to come in so this is going to take a to really see the numbers change in my opinion this is going to take a grassroots effort you know um josh Zol zolan he wrote a great book you know um in education, it's a tough thing. My next thing I was going to talk about was the guidance offices, right? You know, when you when you walk in a guidance office, you don't see a picture. And this is kind of this little takeoff of Mike Rowe, but it's very true. You don't see a picture of a carpenter or a, a mason or an electrician or a plumber. You don't see that. You see pictures of a, cap, a person in a cap and gown graduating from a state university. So right off the bat, when that kid's in seventh and eighth grade and they're and that guidance counselor is trying to give them a steer into where they think they need to go. Um, there's not even an image there. They don't even see anything. Yeah, they, they got to put an image in, right. into their head and, and it's got to be the right image. It's got to be 
um like i i laugh at some of the images online like the stock images of, of trade workers that are super clean big smiles on their faces yes, put, yes. Putting, putting tools into places where the tool doesn't yes. even belong like that kind of stuff they it can't be that it, it has to be real um real tradesmen real tradeswomen that are doing actual work in the field Absolutely. and and, yeah. and real real photographs that 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 show what it's actually like to be working out there. And, and there's ways you can, there's ways you can market the trades to be positive. Like young kids, like my, my seven-year-old, my 10-year-old, even my four-year-old, they love their handheld mobile devices. Like my son, my four-year-old son, he takes my phone. He's flipping around, picking, th- picking things, picking that, taking pictures, videos, and he's four. So they, they have this t- technology down pat. So if we market all this new technology, and I've said this a million times to the kids, like, look, you, you bring like uh, uh, to, to these things, like um, to, to the, the workshops you're talking about um, at, at the middle schools, you bring like some smart probes and your phone and yeah, go, look, really. look, I'm, con- I'm connecting this smart probe to my phone. And now I can look at this tool through my phone and yeah. let them hold it and play with it and stuff like that. They'll be like, wow, this is super cool. Right. This, this is the, this is the way we got to target the young kids is showing them the cool technology that we get to play with on a daily right. basis. I, I think. And, and it needs to be the young second, third year apprentice standing there because those kids, those seventh and eighth graders, they're going to relate much better to the 18 to 24 year old. than they're going to relate to the 45 year old business owner standing there in a suit. Exactly. You know I mean? That, that, and 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 when that eighteen to twenty four year old apprentice um, demonstrates that tool, they're they're using it more. Number one, so they can rationalize the enthusiasm necessary to sell this to a seventh and eighth grader, right? Um, so yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, the more bells and whistles, and the more technological things that we can show them, and show that this is not just about turning a screw into a unit and putting a cover on or setting tightening a bolt on a toilet the, the more that we can show how technology is incorporated into our jobs and you know we use ipads to talk to the office and you know all of the schematics for this unit are right on this ipad we don't have to call anybody we don't have to talk to the manufacturer they're all right here they're step by step and you know, all these things that we can we can talk to them about but yeah you got to have that wow factor what you're talking to me when, I, when you're talking to me about having that digital tool and you're seeing it on your phone, that's the wow factor. That's the candy, if you will, that they need to see. When they see that, now you're going to have their attention, right? Man, it makes it makes me excited to use those tools, to be honest with you. <laughs> of course it does. It really does. It of makes me it excited. So I don't know what it would do for uh, a kid that's just like, that's their whole world right now is technology, video games, tablets, right. phones, TVs, YouTube, like kids love this kind of stuff. So, I mean, they'll gravitate towards it, but I did, we touched on it really briefly and you said you had six girls in your class, which is a huge increase from when I, when I went to um, trade school, there was one girl in my class and she ended up dropping out, but she was only in it. Um, I think her parents owned a business and she was in it just to learn um, kind of the basics of the business. Cause she was going to be working in the business in sort of like an administrative office type role, right? But they wanted her to go to learn sort of the basics of what we did. She wasn't actually there to be a tech. But right. you it sounds like the, the girls you have are there to be techs. So they let's are. talk about let's talk about women in the trades and and this kind of rise. Like when did this start? This women the, the rise of women in the trades? Um well I've been teaching for uh, a little over 12 years and probably have put about 10 through the program. I currently have six and one's going to graduate. So I'll be down to, to five unless I get some more coming in uh, next this coming school year. But I, I don't have a good answer for as to when it started. Um, I think it, I think there's probably a tiny bit or a portion of this that it's, it's kind of happening out of some desperation because of this gap, quote, end of quote. Um, I think that's, um, I think that women, uh, the, the movement of women becoming, you know, equal to man, right? Um, I think that's, that's helping. You know, one of the things I say to the young women that come into these tours that I spoke about earlier, and 
one of, one of the things they say to them is, uh, ladies, you need to know that there's no glass ceiling in plumbing. Zero. Right. There's no. And, then, you know, the, some of them. Don't, and then I say to them, do you know what the glass ceiling is, what it means? And most of them will shake their heads. No. And I'll say, well, how many of you know, know someone who the man and the woman work in the same company and the man makes more money than the woman? And then all their hands go up, you know, because that's a dinner time discussion. Right. That they can yeah. relate to that. Right. So I say, guess what? In this industry, there isn't an, there isn't any of that. Right. And then I, I try to talk briefly about the diversification of all of the trades. So, you know, I tell them that you can go through a program like this and you don't have to go out and turn wrenches. And, and you can still make good money and be part of the industry. You can be working for a wholesaler. You can work in sales. You can work for a manufacturer. There's a million things that you can do within this industry that this program will help set you up to be great at it right so i talk about those things as well and i talk go on and on about that with my regular students once i have them in my classroom but um so i think that has a little bit of it that you know i think women are starting to recognize that gosh you know i can you know you know my my girlfriend's husband's an hvac tech or a plumber you know and they're making ninety thousand dollars you know and i talked to him at a at a picnic and he said you know you should really give it a shot it's really it you probably will be okay with it. It's not you, you, we with with all the and the the rules with with OSHA and all the safety things and people wearing back braces and knee braces and gloves. Now, I mean, I grew up in an industry where you wouldn't think about wearing gloves when I grew up in my industry. You wouldn't think about it. Um, now we wear gloves to protect our hands. So you know all these things that have changed in the industry. Now you know we're really looking at the worker and trying to protect them. And you know it's not. It, there's nothing great about you going over and, you know, getting an 80 gallon electric used water heater up the steps from the basement by yourself. There's nothing. There's no bragging rights. That's just being an imbecile. Right. Because yeah. you're, you're stupid. You're going to wreck yourself and you might you might wreck yourself so bad that you're going to have a life changing experience. You're not going to work in the trip. You're not going to work in the field anymore. So, yeah. Those those days have kind of went away. I think technology, you know, in, in, in the plumbing side, you know, we have ProPress, we have PEX instead of having to solder and braze everything. Uh, we have plastic piping instead of cat, metallic piping, cast iron. So there's a lot of things that have changed for, a, you know, one of the, the things that a, a, a woman would have to compensate for is her physical strength in the field, right? can't do this, can't carry that bottle of refrigerant onto the roof. You know, now, now we have other ways to overcome these obstacles for them. And, and I think it's changing in that guys in the field aren't acting like jerks with the women. Some still are. Um, I guess you, I, I think you had a podcast with, uh, what's, I'm trying to think of her name. She's my friend, friend on Facebook, but she talked about when she showed up her first day of work and how everybody snickered, made comments. You know, I think a lot of that is starting to actually go away. You know, that it's more it's more acceptable that, you know, women are going to work in the workforce. And that's just the way it is. And guys have to not act like jerks about it. And yeah, I think that was well, I think that was Melissa Yarb that was saying yeah, that. that's it. That's her. That's her. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Owners have to recognize this and they have to generate the culture and cultivate that culture so that women feel comfortable to come work in the workplace. You know, just like I do in my classroom, my guys are not hitting on these. My, my guy students are not hitting on these girls. They're not. There's no romanticism happening because I make it clear that this is not the place for that. You're going to learn plumbing and heating. That's it. So um, and if there is, it doesn't happen in my classroom. There's no, so, there's no little secret notes being passed back, back and forth. Well, it's not happening with, with me seeing it, right? Um, okay. <laughs> I, I joke with my girls all the time, and I say, no boyfriends, no babies, until you have your master's license. Then you can do whatever you want. <laughs> I always joke with them because I know that that drama from that whole scenario is going to screw with them getting to their, getting to that spot, you know, getting to the master's license because I encourage that deeply with all of them, you know, you shouldn't just get your journeyman, you should get your masters. Yeah, I, I think that um, I, I sort of have an idea of, of how the the women 
and the industry started to build a little bit over time. And I think it has a lot of, to do with uh, social media, to be honest with you, because yeah. Not, yeah. now that we started, we started accumulating all these groups in, in different trades, electrical, plumbing, um, HVAC. And, and then all of a sudden, like you'd see a post from a female, you go, wow, that's cool. And then, mm-hmm. and then you, and, and this going back two, three years ago, you'd see a lot of, a lot of comments from some guys that were just offside and it was kind of gross to, to watch that go down. And I've noticed a shift in that. I've noticed more of a positive approach yeah. to, 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 to the, the, the females posting now because they're kind of building their own tribe up and they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're showing that they can handle the, this trade because there's more and more and more every day entering. So, I mean, they've got, like you said, they've got their women in HVC, um, HVC. Why can't I spit that out? Every pod, every podcast, I got at least one word I can't spit out. You know what I'm trying to say. And then there's like Windy City HVAC, um, and then the one that you mentioned about was it Women in Energy women, or something women, like that? Women in okay. Energy. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, they're they're starting to create their their own tribes and stuff, which is which is cool because I I think that men have been in this trade for a very long time and they kind of have their inside jokes with each other and stuff. And the, it's, it's cool to, to see the females and the women have their own side as well. But I'd like to see that kind of both sides coming together to kind of the, form this uniformity within the, the industry eventually, instead of having separate entities, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, that would be, that would be very cool to see. Yeah, well, I think you will. I think the future holds some of that. I think that's you're going to see more and more um, women get into the industry. And I think that's, the, the you know, just being a blue-collar worker instead of taking the, the quote, path to, to college. And I want to make a disclaimer. I have nothing against college, zero. Um, I think they've done for themselves, for their own good graces, they've done a marketing job that we can, we have not learned how to compete with yet meaning that they have made the calling if you want to be successful you got to go to college and that's that switching that, that's, that's changing what's that i'm saying that that's that's changing really fast just because I know. I know. Uh, the, like the, this podcast for example and many other podcasts um and many social media feeds and they're just starting to promote the trades from every which yep. angle. Like I actually yep. see, they're talking about the trades gap and, and the shortage of text, but I actually see in 10 years from now, there's going to be like, whoa, there's a, there's a lot of text coming in. Like, how do we find jobs for all these? Maybe, maybe not. But I, with all these hardcore promotions of the trades going on, all the positivity kind of flowing for the trades, I think you'll see an insurgence over the next 10 years. I, I think it will, but will it fill... The gap. I mean, you know, the, I think the number is still accurate for plumbers. The 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 average plumber is fifty seven years old. You know, just do the math. That's that's not good. It should be more like forty one. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, there's a desperate, and I I know that we're with the the normal twenty percent tick about construction alone. We're um, to what is it two thousand forty three? I think the last statistic I read which was about a month ago, um, 2043, we're like 20% projected behind. Um, plumbers are like 27%. It was like 7 or 8% higher. So, you know, and for, for whatever reason, it is what it is. But I, I think it's going to get better. But I, I don't know if we're good. That's a good, that's a good, good view that, you know, within 10, in, in 10 years, we could maybe have too many or a high influx. And now what are we going to do with all these people? Um, the, the other thing that, you know, um, about the blue collar trades is, um, you have all this variation in a generation, right? So, you know, we have generation Z, generation X and all these things. I don't necessarily subscribe to all of that. Uh, I hear a lot of people that I know that are business owners complain, you know, they, they have to be nurtured all the time. They don't just, you know, and, but, you know, it's a different environment that that what I grew up in um, compared to what these current class of students, the, the graduating class of 2020, we'll use it as an example, that are coming in. I mean, most employers want to train you, right? They want you to be successful. 
when I came into the trade, I was the guy going out getting the brass magnet because the, the mechanic didn't want me to see what he was doing because he was afraid I would take his job because I, I would work for less money than him. You know, and when and God forbid you made a mistake, something got hurled at you. You know, you were it's just a crazy environment. It was a very treacherous, treacherous environment to work in that I grew up in. So it's a whole different dichotomy and and paradigm shift for what these this 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 just used this class of twenty twenty what they're coming into. It's a much more welcomed environment, right? I I think people, you know, if you had a if you, you with the, the company you work for, if you had a young apprentice come in, you're, you're certainly not going to be mocking and carrying on with the person. You're going to want to say, hey, this is how you do this. And you're going to ride with me today and you're going to ride with Joe tomorrow, Sally the next day so that you get variety of, of apprenticeship. And it's just handled so much better now than it was. So I, I think there's going to be more coming because of that, because the word's going to get out about it. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think a part of that, too, has to do with the amount of like back then there was, there was a lot of people um, willing to get into the trade. So every people were lining up at the door yep. to get in. So if, if you treated someone like crap and they left, Oh, we'll, we'll just hire, we'll just, we'll just hire the next guy on the list. That's right. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? I, now, nowadays, nowadays you're struggling to find not only a, a, a skilled person or maybe not a skilled person yet because they're just learning, but a quality person. So you, you want, you want, for me, I would rather hire a quality person with a little bit of skill than, than a bad person with a lot of skill, because right. you could, if they have the attitude, they will grow and they will learn and they will do what they need to do to help you out. You know what I mean? Some of these guys that are highly skilled and have been in the trade for a long time, they're like, yeah, why, why am I going to do that? Like I'm, I'm this and I'm that. Um, and they have this gruff kind of, yep. kind of you know, demeanor about them. So I, and, and that's because they grew up in that sort of atmosphere. And I caught the tail end of that when I started in like 90 or 2000s, when I really started to, to, to work in the trade before that I was in school. And I kind of caught the tail end of, of, of that sort of um, way the trades were. And, mm -hmm. and for me now, like you said, like I, I'll, I welcome an apprentice to come out and help me out because if I'm super busy and I can't deal with everything that's happening. At least I know that I've trained somebody that I trust. Hey, you go do that for me, please, because I can't take care of it. I need you to do it for me. And I can trust them because I know I've taught them how to do it the right way. And I wasn't an asshole to them. And you know what I mean? It just just kind of goes like that for me anyway. No, I agree. I agree. I And I think as long as that environment continues to strive and, and we make, I don't want to say make adjustments. I want to say that we we rationalize that women are going to come into the industry and they're going to work right next to us. Um, I think things will get better. They will. Um, I still think there's a, a tremendous amount of work to do because I see, um, you know, other kids that come to the school that I work at that, you know, they're they're just coming there. They're not, they don't have no idea what they're doing. They didn't make any really select. They didn't make their selection process of where, what program they want to be in. Um, and they kind of get lost, you know, they, they, they get, they get, some of those students get lost. I feel sorry for them because, you know, they need to, they need to get the experience. You know, I, we, we do a thing in the beginning of this, the school year, um, a student, when they sign up for our school, they pick six labs and uh, they're guaranteed to get their first choice as long as their application gets in first, right? And then in the beginning of the year, those choices, how they result is they're gonna go through three, they're gonna spend about a week and a half in each of three of the, of, from those six choices. And then at the end of that third one, they have to pick the one they wanna be in the rest of the school year. That's kind of how it works. Uh -huh. and, um, obviously, I'm very aggressive. I'm, I'm, t I'm, I'm looking for the kids who I think are gonna be um, the ones that I can really groom and, and be, um, that I think are going to be successful and very adaptable to the culture of my program and the way I am as a teacher. And I spend a lot of time talking to them about, you know, this, how, how you should try to select your, select your lab. Like, you know, these, these are seventh, these are eighth and ninth grade kids. So, you know, one of the things I say to them is don't select a program or a lab that your friend's in. 
because you select that program and you find out that either A, you don't like it, or B, your friend moves to another state and now isn't in that class anymore. Now what do you do? You know, now you're in a program that you might not have liked in the first place. You only picked it because your buddy was in there or your friend, and now you're stuck in there for the rest of the year. So, you know, that we try to spend a lot of time talking and guiding them, but we still got to get them to the school, right? That Going back to that recruiting thing is how do you do it? We still got to get them there. One of the other things I didn't touch on that I think could be um, helpful in some way is that, um, you know, lots of companies sponsor um, youth community athletic leagues and, and bands and cheerleading. Um, I think that there's a good propensity to have a um, table or stand at, at some of these places. And, you know, instead of sponsoring one baseball or soccer team or T-ball or cheerleader team, sponsor the whole age group and then set up something there that, you know, the parents are there already because they're bringing their kids there. Talk to them, right? Have have one of your apprentices there to talk to them. You know, I've been said, I've people have said to me, yeah, Ken, that's really not the right environment to be selling their career to them. What's right and what's wrong at this point? Yeah. Yeah. And any, any way you can get your message across positively, as long as it's okay and um, everybody knows what's going to be happening. I, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with it. I, I, I do want to ask you a question though, because you talked about this earlier in your classroom and, and I wanted to talk to you some more about like the teaching aspect and stuff like that. And you said that your classroom is very engaged. Like what are some of the ways that you keep your, your students engaged? Um, well, I've got really high expectations. So, uh, we talk about, um, you know, I've had students in the past say to me, well, why do I go do all this work? You know, I'm not getting paid for this. Well, you are getting paid for this because if you, came in here as an adult, it's going to cost you $9,000 a year. So your education's worth $9,000. Now, okay, you're not putting $9,000 in your pocket, but um, if you listen to me and you apply this and you start to think that you might like this and you want to make a career of this, $9,000 is going to come back to you pretty quickly, you know, if you were, if you would have had to pay for it. So, um, and I, I've managed to create this, this, proverbial carrot, this machine, if you will, that, you know, um, when by the time we're into October of the school year, um, 80 to 90% of my 12th grade students are working on cooperative education, right? And probably um, if I have 10 juniors and 11th graders in the program, four or five of those will be working on cooperative education. So this is like a machine. These kids come in and they see these other students that are working because they're in there uh, twice a month. So they see them, they talk to them, they're involved with them on social media, on Snapchat and Instagram. And, you know, a 12th grade student goes and buys a, buys a, a nice pickup truck because they're working and they're starting to see those students that aren't doing that yet, they're starting to see this, right? So it starts to kind of set this stage. Now, how, how do I get them to like the work? There's no way I can make someone like the work. Um, I can tell them what the expectations are, which are very high. Um, when a student has to build a project, it doesn't just have to be, if they're going to build a, a project that they braze or they solder, it's got to be clean and neat. So I, I don't want to come to your soldered project and measure it and it looks like you know solder's running down all over the side of it um a braze project is, isn't clean and shined so they spend time and not that you will do with this all the time in the industry but i try to get them to understand that you know this is your art when you build anything in the in the trade i don't care what it is i don't care if you're putting a brick in a wall you're putting a nail in a stud you're bracing a a a, a refrigerant line, you're hooking up a toilet, that is art, right? That's your art. When you walk out of a boiler room and, and all that pipe and wire is there, that's art. The difference is, is that your hand is not holding a paintbrush. It's holding a wrench, a screwdriver, a trowel, whatever it may be. So artists would never, no artist would ever 
approach a, 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 an object or a painting or a sculpture and want to do a lousy job. They all want to do, try to make something that's going to be beautiful. And even if it's in their only in their own eyes. So that's how you should be when you're doing every single project. So when they wire things, I this this may sound crazy, maybe a little bit of OCD. The screws got to be facing the same way. You know, when they tighten up a relay on a box, you know, because that's the way it should be. You need, and it's that's not just because yeah. your boss that, wants you. To, that's that. that's cool. I, I was going to say that that's kind of cool that you're implementing that sort of I, quasi strict sort of. Yeah, the screws got to be facing the same way because it kind of puts it into their head that quality is is king when you're when you're installing or you're fixing or servicing something. Well, and you know what, Gary, the other thing I do too, I bring all my ownership, you know, business ownership into my classroom. So, you know, I try to get them to understand is that, you know, that's that could be the very difference when things are in competitive, when you're in a competitive environment to to want to really work for this company, doing that one extra thing, steel wooling the copper, uh, making the screws face the same way, being dressed immaculately neat and clean, and you know look clean shaven or whatever it is that you think is important to to um, to project yourself in a positive way, that may be the difference of you getting or not getting the job. And working at the ultimate company that you want to work at, that for whatever reason, that's that's your your first goal right out of high school. So I, I want to work for this contractor. I, I did the research. I looked their checked their social media out. I checked their website. I, I called a couple of people that are working there. This is the place I want to work at. So, um, you know, when you have that behavior and it's ingrained in you that this is the way you're supposed to do the job, then it makes it much easier for the apprentice to, to or the journeyman to work with you. So I, I also spend a lot of time on their soft skill side. So even, even while I'm working. So if I walk up next to somebody and I'm talking to them and they're not looking me in the eye, I stop them and say, you need to look right into my eyes when I'm talking to you, because that's what you're, that's what that journeyman is going to want you to do when you're talking to them. Right. And we, we talk about anticipatory skills. If I pick up a hammer, you should pick up a blank. You know, we we go over and over and over. We talk about when you're in my the school has a program called Job Shadows, where we send students out for the day to shadow a contractor. So I do roughly between 125 to 180 of those a year with all my levels. So I have a a multi-level program, levels one through four, and it's multi-grade, grades nine through twelve. So, I if a student can get to the to the contractor's shop, and the student's the right student, if a student's you know not not bringing it in the classroom, you're not going you're not going to go. You know this is a this is a special thing for you to be able to do this. I coach them. I said, look, you can't get in the phone. Keep your phone in your pocket. Don't go in that in that service truck and proceed to twiddle your phone while that person's driving down the road. Engage with them, you know, talk to them. You know, if nothing else, just ask a simple, if you don't know how to talk about a technical thing, just say, hey, how'd you get into this gig? Tell me about yourself, how'd you get into this? How did you get started? So, you know, start a conversation with people. Don't be a doormat. Don't be the rug on the floor in that truck because that that's gonna, that's gonna help that tech when they go, when you go on that job shadow and you, and you hold a screwdriver or hold a light or get a torch or go grab a fitting or whatever, put up nail plates, whatever you're going to do, that's you're, you're going to build rapport with that technician, right? To, to hopefully that that person's going to engage with you. So that's another big thing I spend a lot of time on. There's soft skills. Um, you know, with this COVID-19, we're doing everything. Um, um, online. Uh, they all had to do elevator speeches. I mean, they had a blast with it. They had a lot of fun, but you know, tell me about yourself in two minutes and don't read it. You know, so I, I, I would give them feedback when I would grade them and say, look, you're reading it, dude. You, you got to just belt it out, put the paper away and just belt it out. Tell me what, tell me about yourself in two minutes. Why I should hire you? You know, so we do a lot of things like that to create this culture so that they're not 
intimidated what that that's the biggest thing is you know this this ninth or tenth grade kid goes in this truck with this adult guy or girl and they're intimidated they don't know what to do so you, you have to get them past that so we, we spend the time on that too as well as the, that, the that is very i i like that i i like that you're you're helping the the kid build confidence mm-hmm. so he can communicate with somebody that is much older than them, much more experienced, much more skilled, mm-hmm. and can be very intimidating, especially if the person comes off the wrong way. So that's right. I mean that 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 skill is very important. That's just learning how to how to communicate. I mean, a lot of that ha- has to happen on their end. Really, it has to come from experience. But mm-hmm. the fact that you you put kind of put a seed into their brain, th- this is kind of maybe where we start with this, and then at least they have something a, a base. Um, to plant their feet on when they're when they're doing the communicating with that technician in in the van that's right so and i know that if i did not spend the time to do those things i just shared with you um i probably wouldn't my i I don't want to say i wouldn't i want to say that my students probably wouldn't have the success that they're currently experiencing yeah yeah And, and and you know what i think too i mean I think there's got to be a shift in the, the education. So I, I don't know much about um, the education system nowadays, like high school, like in North America, because I haven't been there so long. But I mean, I I remember being in high school and taking classes that right now are were absolutely useless to me. Useless. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So, so like, why can't we take a kid that's in grade nine or grade 10 and say, listen, you can take this path and do all the sciences and the maths and stuff that you may not even use again, by the way, or you have this path. We, we can teach you about finances. We can teach you about mortgages. We can teach you about different opportunities you have in different um, skilled trades. And like, we need that kind of stuff in the education system. Like Absolutely. The, the finances alone, they're, like people are in debt all over, all over the place, right? People yeah. don't know how to control their own finances. We need to start teaching kids that at a, at a young age. I mean, e- even start earlier than grade nine and 10. Start that when, I mean, I had a paper route when I was 10, 11, right? And all I wanted to do was go to the store and and, and buy crap, <laughs> right? Like I'd only, I'd only be making 30 bucks a week, but it would be like go to the store and buy a whole bunch of chocolate bars, chips, like a, a pizza for my friends. Like that's, that's what I'd blow it on. But if I started yeah. saving that money, and it, I was taught how to do that, then I probably would have been better off by the, the time I was 20 years old. And and the, the same goes for the opportunities that are out there. We should be showing you, showing the kids the different avenues that, that they have. That includes the skilled trades, because I think a lot of them would pick it given the opportunity if we market that properly to them is, right. is what I think. I do too. I, I think that if it's mar- marketing is the key part. Um, Getting getting it so that it's appetizing to them that they want that you know I I got, I got to know more you know you get that when you whatever you do in front of those seventh and eighth and ninth graders when you walk out of the room the percentage of those kids have to say they got to be saying in their head I I got to know more about that yeah right yeah they really do cool man so we're we're coming close to the the end here so is there anything else you just want to quickly um touch on shout out any anything like that i mean we talked about a lot of stuff here yeah we um, did we did yeah i'm i'm hoping that uh this mess that we're in in our in our in our world right now is is uh gets past this um so that when i go back to school in september that we can have some sense of normalcy whatever normalcy is going to look like i guess that's all i want to say and you know i'm i'm going to keep doing this i love i love my job um it goes by fast i'm highly engaged with my students and engage you know i have a a complete full-blown alumni and uh, a lot of my alumni are ending up back in my apprenticeship at at nighttime it's just a really cool thing to see the fruits of your labor um and see these people growing up and, and going into the industry it's just a it's a neat thing and I, it's such a great all of it all of blue collar is such a great industry for people to be in it's 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 so rewarding um you can you can sustain the lifestyle make the the financial part of your life that you that you want to have you the sky's the limit you can do whatever you want there's no there's nothing it, it, the only thing that's holding you back is you 
let's get out there and do it then guys all right man <laughs> all right ken i uh i appreciate your time tonight and i appreciate you uh volunteering to hop onto the podcast with me because i mean any guest is welcome if they want to talk about the trades the skilled trades the blue collar hvac plumbing whatever um and i'm glad you hopped on with us so thank you very much thank you very much for having me it was a pleasure and a lot of fun yeah n- not a problem that was a cool conversation so Ken is obviously very passionate about promoting the trades and educating as, as am I, um, I love to pass on information and I love to know that when somebody has gotten through some sort of technical issue, because I was able to help them by passing on info. I mean, that, that is fulfilling to me. There's people out there that, that hold this info to them. Like it's some sort of, there's, there's a secret scroll and they're the only ones that are allowed to to hold the scroll. There's some people like that, but I mean, I, I'm all in for sharing information because it just kind of spreads the love a little bit, right? And we all learn, we all develop, and we all gain from it. So Ken, thank you very much for getting on the podcast. I got to get into work. I got a fan motor to change and I'm just sitting here on the road as the cars go go by. You guys can probably hear them. Anyway, guys, I'm out. Ken, thanks a lot. Happy HVACing. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.